Hi, everybody. Welcome to Vox Tablet. It's me, Sarah Ivory. Today, getting close and personal with Woody Allen. This Sunday, PBS is premiering a documentary on Woody Allen. It's part of the American Masters series. The man behind the film is Bob Whitey. Whitey got his start back in 1982 when he was in his early 20s and he made a film about the Marx Brothers. It was a big success and it kicked off a career that includes documentaries about comedic icons like W.C. Fields, Mort Saul, and Lenny Bruce. Whitey has also worked in television. He helped create the HBO show Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, and he was its executive producer for five years. He directed some of its most legendary episodes, including Crazy Eyes Killa, for which he won an Emmy in 2003. Now Whitey has taken on Woody Allen, something he has wanted to do for years. We're talking with him in his hotel room in New York City just a few days before the show airs. Robert Whitey, Bob Whitey, (laughs) welcome to Box Tablet. Thank you, from both Robert and Bob. (laughs) I understand that this is a project that you have had in the back of your mind for uh, many years now, and I wonder why were you so compelled to make it? Well, you know, after all those years on Curb Your Enthusiasm, I just thought that Larry David wasn't quite Jewish enough, (laughs) so I thought I would move on to the next step and tackle Woody. No, I, you know, all of my um, documentaries have been on my own sort of um, cultural heroes, most of them comedic. And, you know, from the beginning, from the Marx Brothers on, and Woody, you know, unlike the Marx Brothers or, say, W.C. Fields, who were, you know, either deceased or no longer producing by the time I discovered their work, the great thing about Woody was that he's alive during my lifetime. So I got to grow up on his films. I was nine or ten when Take the Money and Run came out, and I loved it. So then I saw Bananas, and I saw all the movies as they came out. And um, I just uh, I wanted to make this film the same reason I, I made the other films, is because you know it's my way of, it's kind of a very public thank you letter. And, you know, I was saying to someone the other day when when I was younger and we still had, you know, LPs, you know, the old-fashioned kind of records, and you'd bring home a new record from whoever it was, uh, uh, whatever phase of your life. I remember a Jethro Tull album I brought home, uh, Passion Play, or later a, a Joni Mitchell record. And you'd bring your friends over. And you'd play the record for them, and you'd say, isn't this guy great? Don't you just love this? L- listen to this. Listen to the song. And that's really what I'm doing with my documentaries, is I'm, uh, except, you know, I'm figuratively inviting the world in, but saying, isn't this guy great? Don't you love him the way I do? <laughs> and, um, you know, that's what's behind all my work. What does this say? <clears throat> uh, can't you read that? Uh, I can't read this. What's this? Act natural. No, just please put $50,000 into this bag and act natural. It does say act natural. Uh, I'm pointing uh, a gun at you. That looks like gub. That doesn't look like gun. No, that's gun. No, that's gub. Uh, That's a B. No, see, that's an N. It's it's G-U-N. It's gun. Uh, George, would you step over here a moment, please? What does this say? Now, Woody Allen is notoriously guarded uh, and private. How did you get him to be on board with this film? Because as I understand it, he was completely uh, open to being interviewed and to inviting you into his life. Well, you know, I, I tried a number of times over the years. The first time I tried probably wasn't long after my Marx Brothers film. 
And, you know, uh, so I would have been in my early 20s. And he politely turned me down. But because I was in my early 20s, I thought, you know, I can wait this out. I'll just <laughs> approach him every decade until he says yes. And that's sort of what happened. And, and um, uh, I just wrote him a letter in the fall of 2008 and really made the case that, A, it was time for this film to be made, and, B, that I was the guy to make it. And I, I think... Um, you know, by this time, the fact that we do share so many of our, the same cultural heroes and that I've made documentaries on the Marx Brothers and W.C. Fields and, and Mort Saul, and um, I don't know, I think I just, I, I, I wore him down. A lot of fans of Woody Allen's probably think that they know him based on his movies. I mean, you know that he grew up in Brooklyn, that he lives in Manhattan, and of course also tabloid coverage, so we feel like we have some kind of insight into his personal life. That's, of course, a naive thing to assume in any case, but I wonder what you learned in this process about Woody Allen that you can share with us, which will surprise everybody. Um, well, you know, there, there is a lot of crossover between the sort of known Woody persona and who he is, that he truly is claustrophobic. He can't stand to be in an elevator. He can't stand, you know, anytime he's in a car, you, you can't go through tunnels because he panics in a tunnel. Um, you know, he's not good with mechanical objects. As you see in the documentary, you know, he has no use for computers. He still types everything he's ever written on the same typewriter he got when he was 15 or 16 years old, um, an old manual uh, portable Olympia typewriter. Um, so a lot of those things uh, are really based on, on, on who he is. But um, he also differs a lot from the Woody persona because the Woody persona is a guy who is not very confident and is very nervous, and Woody is an extremely confident uh, man, I, he's not cocky. In fact, far from it, because he has a self-deprecating streak a mile wide. But he knows he knows what he's doing, and he's confident in his writing and and his directing, and and um, he gets what he wants. So that's you know, there's nothing nervous about him in that regard. On the set, you know, he's not fretting over anything. He's extremely calm, and many of his actors remark about just how calm his sets are because. He doesn't panic and he doesn't carry on and he doesn't get upset. He's just calm and it's the kind of it's the kind of calm that comes out of confidence. That's one thing actually that comes up in the film that is pretty striking is that he's very hands off in regard to his actors, whereas you'd sort of assume based on the neuroticism of his public persona uh, that he wouldn't be, that he'd be com completely controlling of uh, all aspects of his actors' actions and, and uh, dialogue. Yeah, his feeling is that you have to cast it right. And as he says in the documentary, if you cast the right actor, you know, who's, who's a, you know, a terrific performer, and most of the actors, if not all of them that he casts, are you know, very fine actors, um, you know, he says the key is just to leave them alone, as he says to shut up and get out of the way. And, and he says they'll give you the performance that made them a great performer. Now, if any actor needs a little more than that, and some actors want more feedback than others, he's he's there to to give it to them. As he also says in the documentary, if you know they ask him a question, he can't just sit there and stare at them. He's got to give them an answer. So he'll, you know, he'll he'll give them a little guidance. Your documentary unfolds more or less chronologically, and I wonder if uh, you basically immersed yourself in his 40-odd films. I mean, did you watch them all and select clips? How did that process of choosing? Uh, present itself well you know when you when you make 
films about your own sort of cultural heroes, um, it sort of cuts down on the research phase because my whole life has been research. You know, I mean, from the time I was a kid, and certainly, really after Annie Hall came out, which was a huge event in my life, just seeing that film for the first time and then seeing it repeatedly, repeatedly over the next few weeks and months. Um, you know, I was always somebody who read everything I could get my hands on about Woody and sought out uh, little-known films or, or things that he worked on or, you know, his stand-up and even the TV shows that he wrote for, which you can see at the Paley Center. So there wasn't like a big research phase. But yes, I did watch all the films again um, and basically took notes as to, you know, clips that I thought might either, you know, illustrate a certain point that I want to make or were just entertaining and funny or a quick visual bit or whatever. And then my attitude towards documentaries is collect as much information as you can. And in this case, I was fortunate because my subject is alive. So I got him to sort of talk through his life and uh, plenty of other people still young and vital, some who are a little older. But, uh, you know, my feeling is just milk them for everything you can get it in the editing room and then try to make sense out of it all. So that that's really my process. If I had to make an outline for somebody beforehand of what the film would be, I would be at a loss because I, I don't really know exactly how it's going to unfold until I'm in the editing room. In watching all those films again, I wonder if there was a single scene in a film that uh, doesn't come to the forefront of your mind, but then when you saw it again, you thought, well, this is a moment of cinematic genius or comedic genius or some kind of genius. <laughs> He, Woody Allen would not stop throwing up if he heard you <laughs> use the G word in relation to him, you know, three times in a row. Uh, so I better not either. Else he might be able to somehow retroactively withdraw his authorization. I'll be honored but, if he listens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a fat chance of that. You know, we had a screening last night in, in, in New York uh, at, the, at the film forum for like 140 people. It's a small house. It was an intimate thing. And somebody came up to me and says, is Woody going to be here? And I could just only stare at them and say, have you understood nothing about the man? <laughs> you think he's, he would show up for this tribute? Uh, he won't show up for the Oscars. He's not <laughs> going to show up for my little documentary. But um, this may not be an exact or direct answer to your question, but um, I found that looking at the films again, some of which I've seen many, many times over the years and others of which I haven't seen since their initial release, I found that for the most part my reaction to the films was fairly consistent with what they were when I first saw the films or how I remembered the films. The one film that came up in my estimation, seeing it again, was Bullets Over Broadway, which I remember liking when it came out, but when I watched it again to research for the documentary, I thought, wow, how did I miss how truly brilliant this film is? And I don't know what it is if I just wasn't paying close attention or my own senses about it has changed or what, but... I could have used a lot more footage from, from that film. It must be difficult getting a work like this on. It's a sad reality of the marketplace, I'll tell you. We've never really had a chance to talk. No. Hey, folks, what can I get you? Two martinis, please. Very dry. How'd you know what I drank? Oh, you want one, too? Three. Um, now, you've made documentaries about comedians for a long time, starting with, as we said, the Marx Brothers in 1982. What is it about comedies uh, that's attracted you all these years and makes you want to put them under a microscope? I don't know. You know, I just, I was always the funny kid in school. And um, I always found I could get out of a jam by making a joke. Um, 
I was, I hate to say it, but I was the class clown. I emceed a lot of the, you know, the talent shows and that kind of thing because I was quick on my feet and could ad lib and think. So um, it might have to do with my, with my ability to use comedy just because I had something of a, a flair for it. You, you, you couldn't tell now by my being such a boring <laughs> interview. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, and I loved watching comedians as a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to have remembered sort of the last years of the Ed Sullivan show. And if I could stay up late enough, I'd watch The Tonight Show. I remember Tonight Show where Mel Brooks had... No, this is when The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was a full 90 minutes. I remember one night when Mel Brooks had the entire 90 minutes and it was just a revelation. And... Uh, I just always had a, a knack for it and an interest in it. And, you know, the, the first documentary was the Marx Brothers, and I did that only because as a Marx Brothers fan, I was, you know, aware that no such documentary existed, and I wanted to see one. So I thought, well, then if I have to create it, you know, I'll do it myself. And that was really behind all of these films up to the present day, the fact that there is no definitive, you know, comprehensive documentary on Woody Allen and his life and career to me, you know, that's a film I wanted to see. So I thought, well, all right, if I have to make it, I will. But that's, you know, like Woody, this is one of the things we have in common. I also have, you know, a love for, you know, very dark stuff too. I mean, I love foreign films. I love Bergman. My wife, Linda, will walk into a room while I'm watching Seventh Seal or something and so I say, what is this with the death and the <laughs> diseases and all? How can you watch this stuff? I mean, she really doesn't get how I could take pleasure from it. And I do. So th- there's, there's that side as well. But, but comedy was just always the thing for me because it was easy for me to, to do and uh, it was just something I enjoyed. Do you think there's a special skill that you have or that one needs in order to be a director or producer of comedy? Perhaps, but I don't know. Now, there's directing, and there's documentary filmmaking, and then there's maybe the specific knowledge for comedy. I've always felt that the way I've made a living, that most anybody could kind of figure it out and muddle your way through. In other words, you could put a stranger on, on, on a film set and have them, you know, if it were not a terribly complicated film, but a pretty straightforward film, and they could observe for a day... And by the next day, they could kind of direct just by saying, okay, well, you put the performers here, you put the camera here, and I don't know, you shoot it and (laughs) give them a note, you know. And now what they might come up with is a lousy film, but they could kind of fake their way through it. Whereas real talent, like playing an instrument or something, if you handed me a violin and said, there's the philharmonic, go sit in, (laughs) I I can maybe (laughs) hit the violin over my head and kind of keep a a rhythm, but that would be it. So... um, (laughs) There's some things you really need a talent or a skill for. Uh, Now, as far as comedy goes, Larry David and I logged many, many hours together uh, in in the editing room on on Curb. And, you know, for the most part, we were very aligned, but we'd also have debates about things. And, you know, you'd always find your way through. But, But, you know, somebody with a comic instinct can look at something and say, you know, you need to lose three frames. Now, with video at 30 frames a second, three frames would be a tenth of a second, and you know that that will improve the timing and improve the joke. And then maybe you remove the three frames and you go, now put one back. Now you're talking of a 30th of a second, but you know it needs it. Now, can you teach somebody else why you need to lose the three frames? Probably not, but it's, 
it's instinct. It's about it's about uh, rhythm and it's about timing. And I think that may be an intrinsic sense that that can't be taught. And I'm not saying that I have it or have it in spades or anything like that. I don't know. But but uh, at least I can have a sense about what needs to be fiddled with and when a gag works and, and when it doesn't. Woody Allen's movies from the last 20 years have not been always as well-received, I think, as films in the earlier part of his career. Uh, I mean, he's always going to get an audience, although sometimes it's smaller than other times. I wonder if you found it hard to navigate around films in the past 20 years that maybe were not quite on. Well, no, I mean, I... I uh if I were up to it, if it weren't at the end of a long day, I might debate you on that idea. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you know, he's always hit and miss. Now, what do I mean by hit and miss? There are gauges, you know, there's there's how many people in the United States go to see his films versus how many people overseas. Some films that just die in the vine out here are hugely popular overseas. Um, you know, some of his biggest hits have been in the last few years. Matchpoint, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, and now, now Midnight in Paris, which is his single most successful film ever. So you, you can never count him out, um, and you can never assume, oh, he's on a streak again because he'll do a film that'll do great, and then the next film not. Now, that doesn't mean that the films that do great are great films, and the films that, that don't do business aren't, because it's all a crapshoot, and you don't know what people are going to go to, but... Um, I I do think the fact that he has, uh, at the age of 75, made his most commercially successful film ever is uh, interesting. So there seems to be no gauge for it. I mean, Woody's the first one to say that, and he says this in the documentary, that he's working on the quantity theory, which is just keep making them and making them and making them, and eventually, you know, every now and then one will come out well. And that's kind of what happens. And I think so long as he has the opportunity to be this prolific and to make a film a year, you know, he'll as, as long as he can con some sucker into giving him the money, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll keep doing it. Bob Whitey, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Bob Whitey is the director of a two-part documentary about Woody Allen. It's the latest in the American Masters series on PBS. The first part of the documentary airs this Sunday. Make sure to check it out. And if you are a Woody Allen fan, we invite you to visit our website, tabletmag.com, where some years back we sent the writer David Rakoff to a Woody Allen film festival, and he blogged about every film that he saw. It's great stuff. You should check it out. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Sarah Ivry. Thank you very much for joining us. 